Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. This is a really disappointing one. The Reds lost 3-2 at Toulouse on a night when qualification for the Europa League knockout stages was there for the taking. It was a meek display against the French cup holders who haven't been able to buy a win recently. Toulouse had the ball in the net five times and fully deserved the win, even though Liverpool had a late equaliser ruled out for a handball in the build-up. I'm Chris Smith, and to pick the bones out of this, I've got TLW editor Dave Usher, Julian Richards, and our France-based correspondent John Brennan reporting from behind enemy lines. Thankfully, before the game, we got the news we were all waiting for. Luis Diaz's dad is free and safe, and naturally, that's the big takeaway from today. Look, Dave, it's not the biggest deal in the world. Qualification is almost certain, but this was a bit embarrassing at times tonight, um, and after the performance and the result on Sunday, a little bit concerning. Yeah, it wasn't what we wanted at all tonight. Uh, first half's not great, but you're expecting a, a reaction in the second half, and the second half was worse. You know, they they actually they looked good in the second half. You know, we did gave us loads of problems, and it's like this shouldn't be happening. These are not good. You know, fair play to them. Like they, they they've played well tonight and that, but that should not be happening. And I I just think they wanted it far more than we did. Um, I, Klopp said something afterwards. Uh, he got questioned about like there was a lack of intensity or something, and he said uh, it wasn't a lack of intensity. And I, I kind of know what he meant because in the first half, I was looking at it thinking, well, they've got the ball, and we'd have three players around the man with the ball. So it wasn't like we were just standing around doing nothing. We'd have like three players that go and pressure and try to win it, and they were just like managing to play the way out of it like nutmegs and we weren't making tackles and we or like if we did make a tackle we were late to it and we were giving fouls away and I don't think it was like intensity as such but we just we weren't able to just win the ball it was it was, it was just off it all night and with mm. the ball I just thought we were shit I thought we were absolutely shit yeah I think I was um incidentally I was watching ice hockey last night Night and I was thinking. I said to my wife, "Like I'm, I, I struggle with watching ice hockey sometimes. It's really like bitty, and the the balls bouncing everywhere and going off sticks and <laughs> shoes and the puck. Sorry, it's bouncing off sticks and shoes and going everywhere. And that's kind of how I viewed that like first half tonight. It was just really bitty and sort mm. of couldn't get anything going. When we did have the ball, we didn't use it well. And in the second half, we just got thoroughly outplayed. They used the gaps well. Yeah. Um, looked far more likely whenever they got the ball going forward. Put the ball in the net a bunch of times. And, you know, well-deserved winners, really. Mm-hmm. Um, John, you were on with us for to, to lose the last time. It's the only time any of us will ever, <laughs> ever see them play these two games, I'm sure. Unless we're drawn against them again. But... Like, what makes tonight's result a little bit starker for me is the fact that they've been on, like, an absolutely shocking run lately. I think it's, like, one win in ten, five without a win, and they'd lost their last three, and they're really sort of in, in crisis point. So, for us to go there and lay an egg like that tonight uh, is a bit surprising and, um, you know, quite annoying, really. Yeah, it was, it was embarrassing to lose that tonight when you look at the respective budgets of uh, the club. I mean... They're 14th in a, an 18-team league. Uh, they're a point above a relegation um, and will probably be battling against relegation all season. And as Dave said, we've made them look uh, really good. I mean, uh, even in the first half, they got in behind us a few times, but the second half, it kind of reminded me of uh, well, the bad old days of the last season or well, the season before when teams... Uh, 
could kind of run through us uh, at will. That that press was no longer there. The, you just get the first pass off, and it, we looked really easy uh, to play against tonight. And I mean, we've conceded three, but we've really kind of conceded. You know, they've got in five times at least. They had the chances well in the first half, a bit like that Luton one uh, at the weekend. So you know, could have got uh, five or six, which is kind of unfor unforgivable for us to. To do that, and I just yeah, I was kind of appalled by uh, our lack of control. Like the amount of times we gave away the ball, not just for the goal, uh, the first goal, which that was obviously a really costly uh, error by uh, Simicast, but we we just couldn't string a few passes together, and uh, yeah, a night uh, to forget. And it's kind of diff uh, it comes on the back of uh, that. Um, second half against Luton as well which makes it a little bit more concerning uh, if it had been just a one soft night you'd say okay these things happen but uh, between Luton at the weekend uh, tonight um, yeah it makes uh, that game against Brentford on uh, Sunday which was already a must win it makes it really important now especially with the international break coming up you don't want to be going into that break on the back of maybe you know uh, two draws a defeat tonight and uh, obviously we're playing City in our first game back so yeah uh, bad night for, for everybody apart from maybe uh, Harvey who did well I thought and uh, Doak in the first half I don't know why he's taken him off and obviously mm -hmm. Jota has come on as, and done the business again but yeah they're the only ones for me who come out of it maybe Gomez as well with, yeah. with any real credit I'd say Jules, you're quite often um, a cool and reasonable head in these situations, not too reactionary. Um, you know, can, can we just write this off as a, as a bad night when we perhaps just weren't at the races? Um, perhaps a little bit of complacency um, was creeping in, and but nothing really that we should read into this is too worrying. You never want to blame the team, the players for complacency, do you? It's like the ultimate insult. Mm. To, to play as you support like complacent like you're not asked about turning up for it I don't think so no, it, we, no one ever fires off complacency uh, easily I don't think it's complacency I just think you know if you play all in context they, they, what was the score 5-1 Anfield mm -hmm. so you go into it you think alright we've already beaten these 5-1 fairly handily we only need one win to qualify uh, and then put this group to bed we're changing the team you know, it's there's a reason these players are backups, right? Like you could say players like Elliot, um, Gakpo, maybe uh, they've got a reason to think they might be in the starting eleven. Although maybe not Gakpo, and on recent form, I know he's been injured. But you know, Kwanzaa, Simakas, they're backups for a reason. So you go into it and you go, okay, you're playing the backups. We've beaten these five-one. We need to qualify, but look, we're on the verge of qualifying. But if you flip it, like Toulouse are, 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 have not had a great season, but they are playing a big European team. You know, Liverpool's name is the same as Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, whoever you want to name, big European names. So you have them come into your stadium. You've been embarrassed away from home. You you need to win because Europa League qualification is still available for you as well. You may not win the group, but you'll go second. You'll get second and get into that the qualifying round they have before the round of 16. And it's entirely possible that it's just, whilst the intensity wasn't, you know, entirely lacking, it just didn't match theirs, and, you know, it just it's just a case of, 
they wanted it a little bit more than Liverpool. You know, Liverpool didn't really, you know, yes, we want to win, but it doesn't, you know, until it gets to a point where you're three one down, then you start to go, hang on, this is a bit embarrassing. And then the yeah. intensity ramps up and you put a bit more effort in. I did find it funny that on the UK commentary, the the guru that is Steve McManaman, oh when he God. was, when it was, first of all, so we scored, well, they scored their own goal. And the commentator said, "Oh well, that sparked Liverpool's uh, night." And I and I and I turned to the missus and I went, "No, we'll concede again because that's what always happens in these away games when we shit in Europe." And lo and behold, we conceded. And I was like, "There you go." And then Steve McManaman opined, or oh, sorry, queried, "How can this happen?" And I thought, "Well, if anyone's best placed to answer a shit away performance in France and <laughs> Europe, Steve, it's you." Like, you've got that insight that none of us have got. You have done that multiple times in the 90s. So don't be sitting there with your Real Madrid shirt on pretending that's the only time in Europe you played. Because I I remember Strasbourg and all those sort of games. Like, I remember you, Bromby, you you played. So don't be giving me that. Um, so you should know. So I don't think it's complacency. I just think they. I just think it, it meant a great deal more to Toulouse than it meant to, to Liverpool. I think the backups... Some of them are badly out of form. Like Simicast is so out mm. of form that he's basically shapeless. Um, I don't see how he can play. I, you can't play him in the league. He's he's just a liability at the moment. Um, you know, we we've had debates about Endo off and online. I mean, realistically, I, I'm not knocking the guy, but you, if you sign in a 30, 30 plus player from a not top tier team elsewhere in Europe. The likelihood is he's not going to be a top-tier player when required, and that's borne out. You know, we were having a debate tonight, and you know, as 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 usual, Stu was the lone voice speaking out in favour of him. Yeah. And I mean, but when it comes down to it, Jules, it's it's not fucking ideal having to bring him off at half time in a game. You we've talked that's about exactly it all season. The use point, of him, yeah. no, that's no, exactly the use my of point. him is having to, you know. Yeah. Keeping him there so others don't have to play. He's yeah. lucky not to get himself a red card. And and the the argument was like, you know, he's been alright with the ball, but like, but he's a DM. Like the idea is you're good without the ball and yeah. winning it back. And if you're on a booking, and really you could have already had two bookings, and you're playing to lose. Well, <laughs> play. You're playing the French team to lose. Um, you're. <laughs> You know that's not great. That 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 tells me that you're probably not up to the level required. I'm not saying he's like you know a shit player or anything. He's not. He's a Japanese international captain. He's played in the Bundesliga, but is he the required level? I, it doesn't look like that to me. This isn't the case of finding his feet, acclimatizing. This just looks like the level isn't required. So the backups aren't fully up to snuff. And then a combination of Toulouse needed the game more. Want to right the wrongs of the of the the home leg, you know. I think you have to chalk it down as as one. The Brentford game will tell you whether it's a wider pattern that involves Luton. Mm-hmm. Okay, good stuff. Um, Dave, plenty more to get into here, but as for the game itself, we didn't start too badly. Um, Gomez almost got his first oh, goal for the club. A nice yeah. little flick in from Cody, and he is a decent little header actually. Like yeah. quite quite cute the way we worked that goes against the bar and I was I was kind of just hoping it'd go in really just so for the first time ever we'd see 
Joe Gomez smile, maybe. It's like, <laughs> yeah. he's always walking around like he's got like a turd on his upper lip. <laughs> just looks really a, like a bad stench under his nose. So it'd be nice to, the to Gabriel Hazy smile look. a bit. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, if that goes in, we're probably looking at a perhaps a different night tonight where, where, where things go a little bit different for us. Yeah, we, we did start okay. Um, and then it just kind of... It just fizzled out, didn't it? But yeah, if that goes in, totally different night. Uh, I I thought Joe Gomez had a good game. To be honest, he played two positions, and thought he was fine in both positions. Um, especially at left back, I thought he he did a good job for us. They did as much as you could expect. Um, it's a problem that we're having to play him there because you know Costas. Jesus Christ! I mean. I, I don't know what's going on there. It's like he's just completely fallen off a cliff. And it's it's a bit weird because he didn't have a great season last year, but you can dismiss that because hardly anybody did. There's question marks about like this system that we're playing and the way the left-back role's changed. And then he gets a new contract. And it, I'm, I'm not saying I wasn't happy that he got it. I was pleased for him. You know, he's, he's a great teammate. Everyone loves him. Uh, he loves being here, all of that stuff. But I do wonder what what the thinking behind that was. Is like, why is he getting a new contract when he's not suited to that the, this new sort of hybrid left left fullback, left centre back role while Trent's in midfield? <clears throat> it is he's not going to be able to just bomb forward the way he was. You know, he was because let's not forget, like two years ago, he was really good. There was like. When Robbo wasn't there and Costas came in, you didn't really notice any drop-off. Like, I was never at the point where I thought he was as good as Robbo, but he he wasn't that far behind him at that point. And I then, think like, Robbo was struggling a little bit as well during, during that period, and you, you kind of, you, you'd see Costas on the on the team sheet, and it wasn't like yeah. something that you were disappointed in, to be honest, but go on. Yeah, that, that's... making that point anyway. No, that's probably fair, but like... <laughs> Last season wasn't great, but I was prepared to just say, yeah, everyone was shit last year, clean slate, let's move on. Uh, he starts this year, he wasn't in particularly great form when he was coming in, but I was making excuses for him again, because it's not it's not easy coming in for like one game every three weeks or whatever, you've not got any rhythm. So I could see, okay, it's difficult for him, let's see how he is when he gets a run of games, and then... The injury to Robbo happens, and it's like, well, we need Costas now. We're, we're going to have to play him every game, basically, and you know, rest him when we can. And it's quickly gone to the point where he's playing in like Europa League games because you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We we can't really trust him in in like the league games. So there's a reason why he didn't play at Luton, and I think we saw that tonight with like his performance mm. tonight. Because I, I thought, what what are we doing? I didn't like that team selection at Luton. Because if if you've not got Trent out wide, and you, you you're doing like this thing with Trent where he's he's playing centre, well that's okay, that's fine. We've got to have width somewhere, and then you're playing Joe Gomez on the left, and it's like mm, he's not really going to be going on the outside, whereas Costas would. So I didn't really like that decision to play him at the weekend. But then I see that tonight, and I'm like, well, I understand now why Joe Gomez played, because the mm. next, you know. We'll see what happens on Sunday, but I'm looking further ahead to that. I mean, even Sunday, like, Ambermo plays on the right side for Brentford. So I'm thinking Gomez has got to start that game because I couldn't trust Costas up against Ambermo at the moment. 
because he's flying and a lot of their attacks come down that side with him that they'll target Costas if he's playing. Now, I'd fancy Joe Gomez to, to handle him. You know, we might lose out a little bit going forward, but at least defensively, I think we should be more secure. But looking beyond that, there is not a cat in hell's chance you could pick Costas for that Man City game. You just, you couldn't, you couldn't put him in there for that game like that. They'd make mincemeat of him. So it's a problem. And it's not helped that I think Chambers must be injured because he's not been on the bench for, for these games as well. So we've not even been able to get him a couple of games and have a look at him and see if he's up to the job. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it cost us as bad form has come at the worst possible time for us because this is now, we need him now. And he's mm. he's just, we can't rely on him. He's, he's not delivering. Um, I don't know what's going on with him. Like, I, I just no idea. I mean, he had that black eye last week. And then because his form's bad, you're looking at things like that and wondering, well, what's going on? Is, is there something going on, like, which is affecting him, like, you know, mentally and he's not able to play at his best? Or is that nothing? That's just one of those things and he's just not playing well? I don't know. But I do find it strange that we gave him, like, a new contract when he still had like i think he still had 18 months left didn't he it wasn't like his contract was about to run out and Klopp's wanted to get him tied down to a new deal when most people are looking at it and thinking he's not really suited to this new setup why are we doing this and then his form's bad so again that that raises more question marks as to what we were doing but as i say this is hindsight because i was pleased for him when he got the contract i wasn't saying oh we shouldn't be giving him a contract i was surprised but i wasn't unhappy about it and I'm still mm -hmm. hoping that he comes good because we've seen what he can do. He might just be in a bad run of form, I don't know, but it is, it's a concern and you've got to be worried about it Like for the next couple of league games. It's like, well, can we trust him? And then you throw Endo into the equation as well. You know, We've got no McAllister on Sunday because of the suspension. Now, McAllister's not an ideal solution in that position either, but we've been saying, well, why is Endo not trusted? Why, why are they not putting him in? Because he's looked okay, you know, even tonight with the ball, he, he was fine, you know, he, he's progressive in his passing, but without the ball, he's slow, he's committing fouls, and he basically looked a bit like McAllister tonight, to be honest, with like, you just mm -hmm. think he's going to get sent off, like, you get, and I just want to say that was booking was 90% on Costas, because that pass turn was awful, but it was a pass that he had to try to go for. Um, Should have got booked earlier, though. Yeah, he he the referee, yeah. but because that's early in the game, you do tend to get away with stuff like that. But it, it was probably a yellow card. But five minutes in, you more often than not you'll get away with it. But then the second Harvey had done that on Sunday, though. Yeah, yeah. But he's always going to get thing, booked for for the one that he got booked for. You're not going to, you know. And if he's a little bit higher, he might have even been in more trouble. But like it was just on the ankle rather than higher up. But um, yeah, that that pass did him no favors at all. But then he's on that yellow card, and he does that other foul, which I don't think that was enough for a yellow. Like, but it could have been, you know, another ref on another night may have given that. And it's we just don't at, dive at in that, at that no, point, do you? Exactly. And at that point, you've got no choice but to substitute him. Then, and that's not what we need at, at this moment in time. We need if we're trying to get him acclimatised and get him up to speed and that he needs games and having to bring him off at half time to avoid a red card that's just it's not an ideal situation but I don't know what we do at the weekend because McAllister's you know um, not going to play um, Curtis is definitely out Gravenberch is doubtful so we're a little bit what's thin this, on the, the ground what's this midfield injury crisis that sounds familiar 
Yeah, but no, we are. I, I don't know what we do for the weekend. It's, we are like really short on options, and Endo might need to play on Sunday. And if he does you, play, he's got to step surely, up. Right? You think so? It'd probably not... be Sobersly and Elliot and him, right? And Endo, I'd say. Have to be you can't team. even stick Trent in there because of Simicass's bad form. <laughs> because you need Gomez yeah. on, on the left, don't you? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, the only other possible thing. Gakpo? Yeah, dropping but him back. You could yeah. you could drop Gakpo into midfield, but then who plays the six? Maybe Gakpo can play fucking left back. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, oh, I was going to wear him playing tonight because yeah. I didn't even see him to be honest. So, <laughs> um, yeah, John, he, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, yeah um, I was just going to ask you, man. Like, we got a rare look at McAllister in his natural position tonight and I can't say that I was any more impressed with him than I have seen so far in the six which has been quite unimpressive but um, explainable because it's not his position Um, but I didn't see that much from him tonight to suggest that (laughs) him in his natural position is going to be doing much more from us I mean I know it's part of a bad team performance overall and a difficult night for the entire team but I just expected perhaps a little bit more from him tonight, finally getting the chance to show us what he can do, where he should be playing. How did you view that? Uh, same as yourself, uh, Chris. I mean, it, it's kind of hard, obviously, to judge him based on uh, one performance in there, and he, you know, he needs time to literally get used uh, to, to playing in that position again because he hasn't done it since uh, uh, since uh, he, le- he left uh, Brighton um, through no fault of his own. Uh, and it was really a difficult game to kind of shine in, in, in that role, I thought, as well. Tonight, it was, as, as Dave said, it was um, a, a really kind of cl- clustered in around the middle of the field. You'd, you you mentioned ice hockey. The ball seemed to be just bouncing around. Nobody could get their foot on it. Um, there was very little space in there. Uh, he did get maybe there's one glimpse of what he could be for us when he got that uh, he had that chance that was deflected uh, over mm. for a corner and uh, those are the kind of positions uh, you're hoping he's he's going to get into but I mean the thing with with him is and um, we we mentioned this uh, he's obviously uh, weekend but that's because of the position you mentioned it, uh, that he's playing and he's. Uh, you know, in this defensive midfield role where he's he's not suited to, and he's you know if he's got five bookings already in how many league games, ten, eleven league games, it's because he's he's just getting caught for probably pace and uh, mobility in in that defensive midfield role. So, yeah, you know, when you compare him to Dom as well, um, who's had such a good start, uh, his his first uh, say. 10-15 games have been a, a, a letdown in terms of what we expected from him but um, I think we can only really judge him when he plays in his true position and gets a, a decent run uh, in that position but the thing is I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon because uh, we need him in that um, defensive midfield role because as uh, Jules said uh, Endo in there he's just uh, he's probably not good enough and the, the step up from Bundesliga to uh, to Premier League you know playing uh, kind of every maybe twice a week or at least uh, uh, one and a half games a week he just doesn't seem to be uh, to be 
able to make that step up. So I think uh, McAllister is going to, you know, probably be uh, in that defensive mid- midfield role uh, all season. I can't see us uh, going big in uh, January to, to strengthen the midfield. So um, it's kind of a, a almost a wasted uh, season if he stays there all season and doesn't get to play where everybody thinks he should be playing. And uh, we, we signed him based on what he could do in that uh, in that forward uh, midfield role uh, for Brighton and we, we just haven't got to see it at all so but I, I wouldn't really be too harsh on him tonight because of the nature of the game and the fact that it was uh, you know his only uh, his first real chance to play there this season plus the players he was playing with as well he, he's not had the the speed up front so there's like you know Jota wasn't involved Darwin Mm. Um, t- they come on the second half Mo came on at half time by which point Alexis had gone back to the number 6 role so when he was playing there he didn't have people running in behind he had Gakpo dropping off Diaz didn't have a good game Benzo plays really wide he's not making runs in behind for McAllister to play little passes through so it wasn't really what you would want to see from McAllister but again it's like when you picture him in that role, you're thinking of him playing little through balls for people making dart and little runs in behind, and that wasn't the case tonight, so he, he just wasn't able to do any of that. He, as Chris said, he didn't really look any different to when he was playing number six. He, he didn't Positionally, he didn't even seem any different. He still seemed to be in like the same kind of areas that he pops up in anyway, but I do think a lot of that's just to do with how we set up and... Um, just the total lack of speed in the team as well. We were so slow all across the pitch tonight. There was there was hardly any pace in the lineup, and I think that when I said about the the intensity wasn't lacking, and I I, I do think like the the will was there, but there was no speed, with no zip mm. around the pitch, and they were quicker than us and first to everything. And and like, but when you look at the team player for player, and you're like, yeah, where's our speed? With all like the quicker players were all on the bench, like Dom, Darwin, Mo. Jota to some extent, he's not pacey, but he's he's nippy, isn't he? Um, so yeah. yeah, we just didn't have like yeah. any any speed at all tonight. Is that a concern with McAllister long term? His his because it's quite startling to me how sort of cumbersome he can be sometimes. It wasn't when he was at Brighton though, was it? He, he managed to overcome that and and he he looked a really really good player. So I'm not. I I think he's been good so far. I don't think he's been very good. But I think he's been good. I'm not disappointed, but I am expecting more. But we all know there is mitigating circumstances for for the relatively slow start that he's had. Um, but it doesn't happen for everybody straight away. You know, sometimes it's like some are like slow burners, and I think he's got so much quality that you know, he, like Dom comes in and immediately is like sensational, and everyone's raving about him. Who's to say in twelve months' time we're not raving about McAllister and and how well he's playing? I do think like yeah. the talent's there. You know he's a, he's a really clever player as well. Um, maybe just get like a settled role for him, a place for strengths, and the right players around him. And I think that's when we'll see him really shining. Okay, it might not be this season feel... though, as John said. All right, I feel reassured anyway by by that. Um, Jules, Dave mentioned Ben Doak. Um, he got a start tonight. It's it's a shame he got injured when he did because he co- he would have had another couple of starts to his name probably in this competition. But he's back in the starting lineup tonight, and I thought a lot of the brighter stuff that we did in the first half was down to him. He seemed to be 
causing the the fullback some real real problems there. Fouled him a number of times, had the beating of him a few times, uh, and set up uh, a couple of chances. Um, uh, shame he got taken off at, at half time. But what did you make of his performance tonight? Yeah, it was okay. I, I didn't I didn't think he stood out that much. Albeit, I suppose he is seventeen, so you know. <laughs> If I remember myself at 17, I wouldn't have stood out in a, in a professional football match away from home in, in Europe. So, <laughs> no shit. You, know, in, in, in you would have stood out just for the wrong reasons. Yeah, for the wrong <laughs> reasons, yeah. yeah. I'd have been standing out like Simicast stood out tonight, yeah. So, I just, I don't know, I, I've sort of, maybe I've not seen enough of Doak. I think he's, again, he's 17, and so... I do think he's clearly talented for 17 because you know he's, he's holding his own in these games. But I don't think I've seen enough from him so far to really sort of go, oh yeah, he should be starting and playing. And I had no problem bringing him off because who did we bring him on? Who, who came on for him? Well, exactly. So you know, oh you're unlucky to go off. Here comes our here comes one of the best goal scorers we have in the team. Yeah, not not bothered, not bothered in the slightest. His time will come, I, uh, I assume. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure people will listen to this and they'll be like, you know, throwing their cans, their drinks, or whatever across the room like an outrage. But I, I, I haven't seen enough of Doak to really draw more of an opinion. I'm talented, but I'm not sure really. I'd want him starting that often. See, me dad's gonna be throwing his drink across the room now. Sorry, Ed. Me dad loves him. He doesn't know his That's name. He's, he doesn't know his second name, but he just calls Oak him Tree. Ben. Now he he'll, every every week he's like, where's Ben? Is, is Ben not playing today? I'm like, no, he's injured. He's not on the bench. And, and every game he asks it. And then I said to him tonight, I went to. I said Ben Doak starting tonight. You know, he was made up. It's like the I two, the say, two uh, first names on his team sheet: are Callahan in goal, Ben Doak on the wing, and then I, fill in the rest. I will say that Ben Doak has the accolade of looking like the oldest seventeen-year-old I've ever seen. He like his face looks like he's about thirty-five. He's got that faraway he, prison stare as well, hasn't he? Looks yeah, like he's seen yeah, some shit. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> from Scotland, so. Um, I, he's yeah, in train he, spotting, was he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what part of Scotland he was from. If he was from Leith or whatever, then yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, he's from Glasgow, isn't he? Oh, well, he's definitely seen some shit, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm being, I'm not being harsh because I'm sure he'll be, He, you know, he's, he's clearly talented. He's clearly talented, but... I can't say I've I've seen enough from him to go. Oh yeah, Ben Doak should be starting all the time. No, he shouldn't be starting all the time because no, in Europe right even. And... But even in, even in Europe, like yeah. in these Europa, Europa League games, I, it wouldn't be my choice. I know, like you can't play Mo in every game, and him and uh, well, it's him or Elliot then, isn't he? Well, well, well play You could play Dom there and Elliot in midfield, which we no, did. No, I wouldn't be playing Dom. I mean, I you, you ideally want to avoid playing Sebastian and Sar because they've got the most minutes already this season. I know Mo's like a machine, but you know he is he is getting older. I would prefer to make sure he's he's needed used when needed. Yeah, Elliot. I mean, Elliot. I think's been quite hard done by. I, I know he suffers from that syndrome of when he starts, maybe he doesn't look great, but when he plays on the bench, he looks great. And then you bring you you go, oh, he's got to start, and he start like. Sometimes happens with Jota, doesn't it? You you bring him off the bench, mm. he scores. You go, oh, he looks great, Jota. He's got to start, and then he starts, and you go, ah, maybe there's some time on the bench there, Diogo. Um, that will that will sort you right out. And I think Elliot's suffering a little bit because I I think he should probably start, and then he'll probably have a 
average game and people go he's got to be on the bench Elliot but I think he's further ahead and I think he should be starting those games if uh, rather than do I like but, him in midfield though I don't really like Elliot in the front three <clears throat> I, I would want him in midfield in the Premier League but I think you could use him on the right in Europe I don't see a problem uh, you know front three of um, in Europe I don't see the problem I you know again I I know I'm in the minority and I'm not I, I've got to reiterate I don't I'm not disparaging Doken if they want to play him I'm not gonna you know but I'm that's how you fast track him though Jules it's like you get him mm. the games and he might not be great in the games but he's gonna be better in the long run for getting those yeah. games under his belt and it's the Europa yeah. League it's not this is this is the time to do it you know you can't really do that well, in the Champions League so he wouldn't be getting games so, so what was the reason then for subbing him a half time apart from because we were on, you know Mo Salah. Ben Doak paid the price tonight for the rest of the team being shit and it cost us. <laughs> yeah. cost us is a mistake basically. If it's well, nearly at half time, yeah, yeah, well, he probably that, gets yeah, that's fair. But also I think the overall performance will have will have been worrying Klopp. And I think Ben Doak's paid the price. Costas has been hooked for being shit. Endo's been hooked because he was on the verge of getting a red card. And Ben Doak's been hooked purely because we needed to get Mo on the pitch. Uh, See now that's because the way the, the team was was performing. Because last year we were playing a teenager through some of the worst patches, um, and let him just like do his thing and get through and get. We through had nobody and, else to put in ahead of him, though, did we? I, I'm just saying, I, I think that's like it paid the price. Like well, we have last season, we did we let a teenager play through all that, and like there's no one else to team. bring on. Yeah, but the the, the point stands. You're talking about Bajetic. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bacetic. So we, you know, and he'll he'll lip yeah, Bacetic, is that? I don't know. Plus, we um, broke him because we played him too much. Klopp's even admitted yeah. that himself last week. He's not. He said he's just not physically ready, and we put him in too soon. Yeah, and, Jürgen and really didn't have a lot of toys as a kid, did he? Because you know, <laughs> how many times do you have a new toy? Play with it too often, and you break it. Like I'd have a transformer, and you'd snap the arm off it because you were too aggressive trying to transform it quickly. <laughs> you know, try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try transform it into the new Henderson. Chris was a transformer and, uh, fan, right? You'd know, right? You'd try and transform like. You'd have it yeah. in the rope, whichever form it was, like a Dinobot. They were always hard work to transform. You'd have like Grimlock in his robot mode, and you go, "Oh, transform him!" You're playing with him. He's going to be a dinosaur now, and you'd want to make the noise as well, the transforming noise, because that's how it is on the TV. But then the, the race is on. The race is on to make it. And he's like, "Shit!" Yeah. <laughs> snap its tail. Snap one of his tail ends off. Like, "Shit, mum!" Yeah, I... Grimlock's broken. I don't know what happened. I was up in the attic recently at my mum's when I was last home in the summer and I got my Transformers out and they're just, they're pieces, they're not actually Transformers, they're like, you know when the Topic fucking Autobot spaceship, <laughs> yeah, like Which the you can't get, no? you spaceship can't get. Um, crashes into the fucking mountain and there's that mm. scene at the start where they're all just like lying in little pieces and then like that Teletram 1 fucking fixes them all, I need one of mm. them to go around mm. like pulling them all back together and fixing them and stuff. Well, it makes but, you feel yeah, better. Um, so mine, mine are all like that too. But we played with them, right? So it's that's the fucking main thing. Like the, those kids who like kept their toys like super pristine. It's like never yeah. had any fun with your transformers, did you, mate? You just fucking kept them. But yeah. um, anyway, that's way, <laughs> way off base. John, I think like um, my issue with bringing Mo on at like halftime isn't necessarily the fact that we're gonna overwork him because he is renowned for being this machine but that that incident in the second half where the keeper clatters into him you can't really legislate for stuff like that like the Sergio Ramos thing in the European Cup final 
like he gets hurt and it's not necessarily a muscle injury or a pulled ligament or you know anything like that it's a fucking it's a it's a careless goalkeeper um screwing him over and if if mo's like hurt then then we're, we're truly in the shit so that's why yeah. i'd rather avoid bringing him on even though we are losing one nil i'd rather just take our chances because things only got worse when the substitutions were made in my opinion yeah I'm the same, and I, I mean, uh, Jules references about uh, the minutes that Dom and Mo uh, have got this season. And I mean, one of the things about being in this competition is uh, we kind of said it would avoid the Sunday, well, the Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, three games a week, which really uh, caught up was, with us in the end last season. This was a chance, you know, to reset. We should be able to qualify, and we probably still will. Uh, from the group but uh, out of the 17 games and this is a kind of a worry uh, for me um, out of the 17 games we've played uh, this season uh, the our top three in terms of uh, appearances whether it starts or um, coming off the bench are Dom uh, Darwin and Mo on 16 uh, each and I just uh, thought that we could get that figure down to around uh, 12, 13 uh, for those guys and give them a proper break in midweek. So, I mean, they've played in every game bar one and we've played four games in uh, the Europa League and two in the in the League Cup. And I think, Chris, you said that the reason that um, they, they've got so many minutes uh, uh, tonight is because uh, the players, uh, the backup uh, who've come in uh, have first half uh, obviously uh, Endo's got to come off because he's going to get sent off if he doesn't and we shouldn't really um, be needing to to use uh, you know our top players on such a regular basis even Jota as well Trent as well uh, uh, yeah and Jota has played 15 out of 17 bearing in mind that he was suspended for uh, a game after that Spurs uh, sending off Trent has played uh, 13 uh, so he's been, Trent has basically played every game he could apart from when he was uh, injured with that hamstring injury at the start of the season um, so I, I, yeah I think the games are going to to, to catch up on, on some of these uh, fellas and uh, if the backup was a little bit better then we could uh, give give our top players the, the night off so uh, it's early in the season, you know, 17 games in. We're probably looking at a between 55 and 60 games a season. The African Nation, Nations Cup is on as well, so Mo is going to be involved in that. Um, if we lose Mo, we're we're in big trouble <laughs> because he, he's so vital in terms of goals and even more so now in terms of the way he sets up play and links up with uh, uh, Dom and, Tre- uh, and Trent down that right-hand side. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd be uh, of your mind as well, Chris, uh, just... Uh, take your chances and uh, you know try to, to get a draw uh, with the players you have. They should be good enough to win tonight. It's you know we shouldn't be having to call call on Mo every time to to save our to save our bacon. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review, and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary, and access to the members-only forum. 
Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Dave, we, we go one nil down. Um, we've we've piled in on Costas enough tonight, but needless to say, it was a, a bad mistake from him. Ponderous on the ball gets robbed, and they run through. Um, Scored. Quantas a little bit unlucky with the deflection. Kelleher didn't really have a chance with that. Although I know like Kelleher is pale, but I'm not sure if he's like actually like completely translucent, which means every single thing goes <coughs> goes through him. But he doesn't seem to stop much. Um, not to say necessarily to say that any of the goals were directly his fault tonight. But I'm not even we sure. Bring on all the subs. Down to be fair. I know yeah, I always say, I mean, well, would Alisson save that? I don't even know whether Alisson would have saved the goal tonight. So I definitely think Queef gets a pass on tonight. Queef. Yeah. Um, but we bring on the subs. But then they don't make anything really any better at all, those those three big names you mentioned. Um, mm. It's almost 2-0. Suazo pulls one wide when he, he gets beyond the last defender. Um, Delinga has the ball in the net. Great finish that. But there is a clear foul on Matip in the build-up. Um, but then Delinga does make to it. McManaman. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh I didn't my get god! Him. He was desperately trying for that not to be a foul. He was like, What's his fucking problem. It was man? weird. Well, honestly, what is that bloke's problem? It was he weird. Fucking bellend. I mean, it's offside as well, <laughs> but like the foul is like it's just as clear a foul as you'll ever see. And he was really like trying to go. Oh no, no! And then he reluctantly conceded. It's probably a free kick. I'm like fucking hell. But um, I wasn't even remotely worried about that. That was always getting disallowed because it's like just the clearest foul you'll see. Uh, Dave, just speaking of uh, knobhead co-commentators, I-, I think we have a winner here tonight uh, on a French telly which <laughs> I was watching, obviously. We had uh, Charles Itange, the former uh, Liverpool uh, goalie who embarrassed himself. Uh, okay, so for anyone listening, Charles Itange. <laughs> 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 Say it again, John. Charlie Tonge. <laughs> See, there, there you have my uh, French with an Irish accent, as Brownie <laughs> called me out on the other day. So, yeah, so he was on tonight, and he was uh, just like McManaman said, there was no f- foul on Matip. And then, obviously, at the end, with the disallowed goal for the, the handball, he was uh, uh, insistent that it was uh, a clear handball, that the ref had made a major mistake. And when he reversed the decision, he he was uh, clearly delighted that it had gone for the French uh, and uh, just called called us out on everything all night. And it just um, you know what no surprise prick. there. He's but uh, he's a yeah he's a bomb, isn't he? He might be like he's the, a very the very biggest... rich man because of us. Yeah, because, you know, is, is he lives a life a, of luxury. Other than. Probably Duf as the being a bigger cunt to ever play for us than him. Suarez. Ah, uh, <laughs> not not biting, not like. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to bite. Don't have to bite. It's just a fact. I'm not gonna bite. Oh. <laughs> Poor no comeback. Uh, no, yeah, but so. yeah. So that tops McManaman then. You had it worse. <laughs> He's not yeah, going to bite, bad. but he is going to make an off-colour racist remark. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where were we? 
Uh, you were asking me a question, um, Chris, and then we got. Like, I was asking you a question. Like, we, we, you thinking we bring those three lads on at half yeah. time? Uh, things are going to pick up a little bit more, but you know, there's almost a goal. There's a disallowed goal, and then there is a goal, mm. uh, similar to the first one. Diaz was robbed. Uh, it was after a great little passage of play from them, and I just said to you, like, it's quite galling, like how um, how much better they are going forward, and like ten seconds later, yeah. the ball's in the net, doing a great touch and finish, and uh, and we're two 0 down. And just things really didn't get any better in the second half at all. No, at that point, like they were all over us, and that finish, like the touch, is just exquisite. And then he's just leathered it in off the post. It's like keeper's got no chance. It's just a brilliant finish. Um, I don't know where Matip was. He was not not tight enough. Um, we didn't react well to Diaz losing the ball. Diaz had like three players surrounding him on the touchline, and, and there was nobody there picking up the pieces. So yeah, I was going to say that Dave. That, sorry for going in, but just that's indicative uh, of what Jules said before about they wanted it so yeah. much more, didn't they? They were hunting in packs, but it wasn't like there was a purpose to what they were doing. There was an aggression, and they were putting a foot in, and yeah, they just wanted it more. And that's like three of them surround Diaz, and we've not got anybody there helping him out or there to pick up a loose ball. And yeah, you know, 2-0, well-deserved. Absolutely no complaints about it. It's not like it was smash and grab. They like thoroughly deserved it. We just hadn't even showed up. And even like the goal that gets us back into it, it's like just, it comes out of nowhere. It's like proper spawny. Just terrible defender at the back post. Uh, and that was felt like the only way we were going to do something. Maybe like a scrappy goal from a set piece or a bit of luck like that. But I, I can't even take anything from like the goal that we've scored to, to get back in it. And like that wasn't like great play or anything. It was just lucky. And then we just <laughs> conceded straight away. It's like fucking hell. It was it was just awful. Just the second half was just so bad. First half's not great, but that second half they were all over us. We we were just so. Even with the bringing on the big guns, it didn't make any difference. Um, we did we did look more dangerous like last twenty minutes when when we made more changes and we had like Darwin and Jotter on. Definitely, we had much more of a threat then. But um, no, did I mean, Darwin did get a chance to do much? Nah, yeah, he, he had an assist for Quanser and it, it got ruled out, didn't it? At the end, so he didn't. Well, that doesn't count then. No, but obviously it was ruled out. But I don't feel like we were able to get him into the game. No, uh, most of what he did was like defensive, getting back and winning the ball back Jules, and stuff. But Jota made an impact. Jules, don't let Dave have that Darwin assist thing. He slipped that one by you then. <laughs> no, it was no goal. It's like that's like if a tree falls. I know, in but the it forest. wasn't. He, he took a great big fucking swing at the ball with the with the goal gaping, missed it. It bounced off him and ended up at Quanta, who swept it in. Quanta did what Darwin couldn't. You you know your your teenage or your your young centre well, half. <clears throat> Dave's basically at this point like Paulie Walnuts like Darwin can do it, or, or Bobby Heenan Darwin can do anything and he'll frame it well like that that, like that, when he pulls the guy out of the tree and then when he's recounted it to Tony he's like he jumped out the tree come at me with a chainsaw I've got a right to defend myself <laughs> that's Dave and Darwin it'll, <laughs> Darwin will be, do something wrong and he'll be like great skill he would be nodding away like Bata Stuta great skill that great love it I'm not having his latest one either, lads. Like his latest one, which absolves Darwin himself. This this yips claim, this golf analogy that he's (laughs) come up with. That is exactly. But that's not fucking like it's you. It's you saying that Darwin has been afflicted by something. 
it doesn't put it doesn't this see this is your you're quite <laughs> sly about this it's in a way it's a good way for you to avoid admitting that you're not entirely correct that he's about not something. that good he's not that clinical you, yeah you you put you place it on something that has afflicted darwin that is completely out of his control he's got the yips man what can he do he's just got to work through it like that's not it and i okay completely so what disagree is it with your you, fucking... you think someone with with like the kind of technique that he's got cannot put the ball in from two yards i just think no i think too much i think mm, that's, that's He's I'm not, not clinical. arguing too much with that, but yeah, but you he's, don't have to be clinical to score from two yards out. I do, I do, I do think you have to be a little more. Like sometimes when you, yes, two yards out, but sometimes you don't need to use a sledgehammer. You can use a scalpel, and I think Darwin doesn't know how to use a scalpel. He just knows how he sledgehammers everything. Ah, but I look at his, his Benfica goals. He does I, know how to do it. He's just not doing it. But but and even that's a in, in like. Thing. You, well, I would say even in the mental thing, I think it is like I'm not talking about his technique here. I'm talking about his mental thing. Is it's all sledgehammer, no scalpel. It's he, and, and that and that's and sometimes I think when you come into close, when you're very, put <clears throat> let's use a golf analogy, Dave. You're not hitting that putter very hard from two feet, are you? But well, he's hitting it hard from two feet <laughs> every time. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes. But he's I think hitting if you're missing loads of feet. putts from two feet, you're shit at putting. And if you're standing <laughs> over, like take, take fucking, take fucking Oof. Sunday for example, when he has nine shots, right? Like when he's like ten or fifteen feet away, like he hit some pretty good putts on Sunday, right? If you want to use that analogy, he hit some pretty yeah. good putts. None of them went in, right? You know, so because there's not well in golf, there's not normally because a because 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 because, because so he did he was hit he hit the target those shots were going in the corner and the keeper saved them so he's not missing the target. Surely the the goalkeeper would be the uneven lie of greens in golf. No, you you're delving too deep into it now. This is I it. think I I think that's spot on for me. He's at, he's not delving too deep into it. He's actually just blowing your no. blowing your theory out of the water. You were comparing like missing like a ten foot putt with a two foot putt and like saying uh, he's he's missed hey, those Dave, putts. But they were going in and then someone's me. ran across the green and knocked you, it away from the hole with the hand. The, Dave, remind that's me you're, not put, it. you're putting that's green not it out your front of your house. Is that is that flat or is that got undulations? No, it's it? got undulations. Right. So if it was flat then you were missing two feet putts. I don't I think, miss them you know. on my putting green. This is the point. This is the so, point. You like if I was missing, missing all of my two foot putts, then I'm just shit at putting. So are you say are you saying Darwin's good in training then? Probably, like he, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's probably not, not missing those sitters in training. Yeah. I, I, what I do just, you think he's missing all of the sitters? Because no, he's I, missing I, probably like seventy five percent of the sitters in games. I think it's not a low I number. think he's just he's he sometimes lacks the subtlety that a close finish needs. You don't need to hit everything. You don't have to be. I don't um, disagree with that. Power drive every time. But why is he doing that? That's my point. I just think that's who he is. I don't think I it just is. Think, I just think he's he's just like I'm hitting this, and that's it. And that's Charles, like, that, you, that. Go on. Do you think he? Sorry, you, you mentioned the sledgehammer and scalpel. Uh, analogy he does that he does have that scalpel uh, finish in him uh, say the one against uh, uh, Villa at home I think it was Villa when uh, the volley oh no sorry West Ham wasn't it when uh, yeah. McAllister played him through and that little touch um, so do you think that was just kind of a one-off or is that something that he can work on and and you know 
uh, probably increases goal output by being uh, more like Jota in front of goal and just uh, be, being more um, uh, clinical or do you think it's just as you say he hits it as hard as, as he can and hope and kind of to keep the golf and an analogy going just uh, he puts uh, through the break rather than trying to caress it in I uh... <clears throat> I, I think I don't think he'll ever be a, the, have the finesse of Jota as a as a goal scorer from close range. You know, I the goal is it Forrest? It was Forrest when Jota scored when Darwin shot and yeah. the keeper saved. It wasn't it? Yeah. So I was I was I was at the other end of the, the ground, but in line behind Jota. And you know, I noticed Jota when Darwin was running in uh, as he shot, he adjusted his body knowing that rebound was coming to him. And I just think that's the sort of finesse you're talking about that I just don't think Nunez has. And I'm not knocking Nunez here. I like, like, not everyone's good at everything. Like, you know, Mo's got his flaws in his game as well. And I just think that when it comes to, you're always going to have a little bit of this with Nunez, the close range fit. It's not the yips. This is just two years. He might iron it out over the course of like two or three years, but it's not going to go away quickly. I just think you'll, you'll have these bad misses and they'll, and they'll look terrible. And then he'll score absolute wonderful goals from distance or with a bit of technique because he's got the technique i just don't think he can he knows how to he knows how to apply it in certain situations and i don't think you know you could you could be reductive and say it's because if he has time to think about it he's crap and then that's well that would imply that he's really really stupid and doesn't have a football brain if you've got if you think about it you're going to cock it up i don't think well he might be stupid but i don't i think he has a football brain I just think it is, you know, like Luton, he was like, he was shooting from all distances. That's Darwin Nunez. I'm having a dig here. I'm having a dig. I've always gone back to the Cissé thing. Again, I think he's a better player than Cissé. But it is ultimately, I'm having a dig. I'm going to have a dig here. I'm going to have a dig. Um, But it's not the yips. It's definitely not the yips. No matter how how many times Dave wants to watch Tin Cup, it's not the yips. It is. I feel like the the <laughs> the misnomer. Case of closed. The, um, Move on. Move on. <laughs> I feel like the misnomer of the having too time to think about it doesn't doesn't stand up at all because the chances he's missing are generally coming at him pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Like that one on Sunday, he wouldn't have had chance to really really think about that. It's just you know it's exactly. an instinctive finish that yeah. you'd expect. I mean, like if. Come on, man! If he could finish like Jota and what a player we'd be talking about, he'd, he'd be putting in like Haaland numbers and then some, you know. And obviously, his all-round game is a million times better than that one-trick pony asshole. But the debate goes on. My anger is not with him; it's it's purely with Dave. <laughs> when I when Darwin misses a chance, like when Darwin misses a chance, Dave's face is like superimposed on top of Darwin. That's what I see. I don't see Darwin anymore, so it reduces my empathy for the man a little bit. You're so angry about Dave's excuse before it's even come. I don't know why you're <laughs> yeah. seeing my face when he's missing chances, because I never miss chances. I was like a top-class <laughs> finisher, so that's a bit of a weird... Tells me, it tells me a lot about your mental state more than anything else, really. Um, Left yourself open to that one, Chris. That's your fault. But no, I, I, I do take on board Jules's point about like he blams it too much. He does, but he has got the scalpel. You look at his, his goals for Benfica in that season when he scored like 40 odd, whatever, and they're not. Two all years just... ago, that thought. Yeah, Dave. But, th- but he's got it. That's the point. He's got mm, it. In he, the Portuguese. He's league. got to bring it out, but he's got it. Mm. 
You can't say he just, all he can do is blam it when there's evidence that, no, that's not all he can do. That is all what he's doing right now in those situations. I'm not disputing that. But again, I reckon he does it in training because it's like the, the the situation's different. I think the Portuguese league's slightly different to the pressure. I just don't think he's Premier League enough. games. I think he's like, <sighs> he's just too tense. He's just tense. Does he enough. need to smoke some weed before he goes out on the pitch, calm himself down or something? Uh, depends if they one of those Uruguayan drinks that they have that they, oh, yeah, they are always, always got them the South Americans every time yeah. when, when like you watch like the inside Anfield videos and that they've always oh, we, got oh, one of them in their hand do we have to ban him from having caffeine before he got like seven hours before a game or something <laughs> yeah that's, calm him down that's probably not a bad idea just relax him a little bit maybe he needs I'll, to get I'll his like, ended up with like this big Darwin discussion when he barely featured tonight. It's like because you tried to because you tried with that fucking says, assist oh, thing again, and I wasn't which having I was it. Clearly not being serious with it. it. Was like it was a horrendous attempt of a shot by him. You know, I yeah. concede that it was it was like it was awful. It's actually gone backwards. Um, but I don't even know why we got onto that. What were we saying before that? Uh, yeah, the last twenty minutes we did start to threaten, and when we got back to. Uh, three two, and then there's like seven minutes. I was convinced we would get an equaliser, but it wouldn't have changed how I felt about the game at all. It was still shit, and we may have just got out of jail by getting that. And it looked like we had, and then you've got the whole just absolute farce again of of VAR. But I don't want to like make too much of that because we didn't deserve anything from that game tonight. So I don't feel like robbed or anything like that. But it does reinforce me, me broader point on, on all of this, which I said on the last part about I just want it gone. I'm, I'm sick of it. It's ruining mm-hmm. game after game after game. And it's like it's just everything's so forensic. So you're seeing loads of more red cards, penalties for like nothing incidents because they're just they're looking for all of these things. And I get that that's the purpose of it. It's supposed to be looking at these things that a referee might have missed. But sometimes a referee misses stuff and everybody else in the stadium misses it. And then they're going back to look at something. And like, not even just our game tonight, but like, go, let's take the Chelsea-Tottenham game the other night. Chelsea had two goals disallowed in that game that would not have been disallowed prior to VAR. But like, I'm not saying they were the wrong decisions because like, by the letter of the law, yeah, you can disallow those goals. But that's happening a hell of a lot and we're getting so many goals ruled out now which wouldn't have been ruled out before. And it just it just makes me think, you know, some of like the greatest moments we've ever had watching football, if this shit was in place then, those moments would be gone either because the goal gets disallowed on some trivial little technicality or we just didn't celebrate it because we were thinking, what's going to happen here? And it's just shit. It's just completely fucking ruined the experience of watching mm-hmm. football now. Like, that's a nice... It's an absolute fucking joke. Now, I think, based on what I'm reading, they've actually gone against their own rules. So it should never have been disallowed based on their own rules. But even regardless of that, that's not what this has been brought in for. Uh, A marginal handball where it's brushed his arm after it's come off his chest. And it's like, it probably is handball. Now, I'm not, that's not really my argument here. But the ref's not seen it. He's not given. Play's gone on. We've lost the ball. They've got the ball back. Then we've got it back. And then we've gone on and we've scored. How far back do you want to go to, to be, like, ruling out goals? I know in, like, the Premier League, and I'm assuming everyone 
operate under the same rules. In the Premier League, that would never, ever have been disallowed. Unless... Didn't we get one disallowed against Spurs? Firmino's but they changed the rule after that, though. Right, yeah. Okay. So that, right. that's what I'm saying, that yeah. the rule changed. We were just unfortunate that at that time, that rule was in place. I mean, that the only reason he handballed that was because he got fouled. So that should mm, never yeah. have been disallowed anyway. But the rule changed. So if it's an accidental handball, then it gets... If it's unless it's the guy who scores, or someone immediately like handballs it and then plays the pass for someone to score, unless it's those two players, they don't go back and disallow it. So I don't know why that got disallowed tonight because it's not deliberate in any way, shape, or form. Is that a deliberate handball? It's happened like well before the goal scored, so it's not the goal scorer. It's not the person who played the pass. I don't know why they've gone back that far, and I'm not even sure they're actually allowed to do that. I don't know if they've broken have, their own rules. Do we have to change the name of it as well? Like, because that's like not even near his hand. Like, no, it should be armball at this it, point. And it's borderline whether it's a it, you armpit. Know, they, they moved it to like the the badge yeah. on the sleeve, didn't they? It's borderline whether he's even whether it is even handball or it's like it's it's high up on his arm. As I say, it probably is handball, but that's not really the point. It's like if the ref that's doesn't give ball. that, it, it, then play it, on. That's never handball. I'm just talking about by like the letter of the law. Yeah, but this is the, well, obviously the law is stupid because who yeah, wants to live in a stupid. world where that is handball? Mm-hmm. This Come is not on, what John. these rules have been designed for, and it's yeah. not what VAR's supposed to be for. It's just shit. John, we haven't heard much from you on this subject. We haven't in the Europa League pods so far. We haven't really had much call to um, to talk about VAR really or anything because it's been pretty pretty all straightforward. Um, what do you make of everything that's happening at the moment? Like. Yeah, do you want to get rid of it? Like, do you think that there's any positives in in sort of keeping it around at all? What did you make of the incident tonight, and just what we've seen uh, over the last week, really, with the the Arsenal Newcastle, the Chelsea Tottenham? There was a fucking load of them in that Man United Copenhagen yeah. game the other night. Mm-hmm. That's all anybody's talking about afterwards. It's just it's for it's, me. It's, it's just becoming quite tiresome. Yeah, it's it's really bad. I mean, it. Uh, I I get rid uh, completely of. Uh, cameras uh, in the ground var except for goal line uh, technology that's the only one where it's uh, you know uh, cut and dried uh, decision now obviously there will be cases where uh, refs miss uh, decisions uh, bad tackles and uh, you know what should have been a red will not be given if var doesn't exist but i don't really care because uh, whether you're watching at home on the TV, which I do uh, mostly nowadays anyway, or whether like you guys who, who get to the ground, it, it has just sucked uh, the life and fun uh, out of uh, football for, for me yeah. because for the simple reason that anytime we score, uh, your celebration is uh, put on standby, it's tempered by you know what's going to come down the line and even the, the clearest goals where there's no uh, question of um you know a foul in the build-up or any uh, like tonight uh, yeah uh you just know that the, the, that that check is going to happen and uh i mean the, the, the thing we all love about football as dave mentioned you know going back over the years some of our greatest moments is the the rush uh, you, you get when you, you score that goal 
I think of one um, the images I think you, you lads were there in the Echo Arena when uh, Divock scored that uh, winner in uh, in Madrid and uh, well VAR was around at that time but you get the point it's uh, if there had been any kind of uh, question about that goal you're just going you're standing around and uh, even in the ground uh, it, it, it's probably even worse in the ground because nobody knows what's going on at least on TV you're, you have the images and uh, you can kind of uh, anticipate what's going to happen but it's just uh, it's it's terrible and uh, for as you, as you said Chris uh, after the Chelsea Spurs game it, it just it's the media narrative for the next uh, uh, two or three days you're not talking about the game or the goals uh, the incidents you're just everything is focused on VAR and I mean, VAR might be a good idea if you had uh, people who were competent enough to work it, but we've seen that that's not the case uh, this season on loads of occasions. And the best example is obviously uh, Diaz's disallowed goal against Spurs. So, yeah, if it never, if it didn't exist, uh, if you got rid of it this weekend and it never came back, I think the majority of football fans would. Uh, be happy. I mean, we'd obviously complain after the game, but we've done that 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 for years. If you get a bad decision against you, it's just one of those things that happen. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of VAR was to eliminate those bad decisions, and they're still happening. It's so what's the point worse, in it? Way worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But John, what what's like? What's the view in France? Is is like is it a big thing in French football? It's like the constant like the way every yeah. game here is like it's always that's the main talking point. Is it like that in France as well? Yeah. The exact same. If you go on, uh, the the league uh, the league uh, games are on uh, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. So basically, they're all over the weekend. And if you go on French uh, Twitter, uh, French football Twitter, uh, it's wall to wall var uh, and com- complaints from uh, fans because the the way they uh, well they they have more or less the same uh, process. Um, that they have uh, in uh, the Premier League, but uh, the decisions are being made obviously by by humans, by referees, and they they have messed up loads of times. And uh, then you get lots of clubs feeling uh, that they they are punished by VAR. And the the one club that seems, funnily enough, to benefit most uh, from uh, VAR is uh, Paris. Of course, uh, you know so. Yeah, it, it's the exact same here. Just on on the point that you made there, which is something <clears throat> everybody, <clears throat> everyone always says this. It's like it would be fine if it had like better people in charge of it. I've gone way beyond that now. I think even if you've got people in there making perfect decisions, I still hate it and I still want it fucked off for what the reason I said before. It's forensically looking for the tiniest little reason to rule out goals. And and to be mm-hmm. fair, they've got to do that. You know, like, I mean, tonight's different. I don't think they, they, they're allowed to do what they did there. But, like, the two Chelsea goals, I'll go back to the two Chelsea goals the other night. First one, Sterling has a shot. It hits the defender and bounces back off the defender, hits Sterling on the arm, and he runs through and scores. Now, if Sterling hits a shot and the defender accidentally handles that, it's not a penalty. But that goal gets disallowed because of the way the rules are, oh, it's hit his arm. But the referee probably didn't see that, and that goal would have probably counted if VAR doesn't look at it and go, yeah, he's handballed it. Now, maybe the ref did see that, but on another night, the referee doesn't see it, and that goal counts. That goal will never count because of VAR. 
Now, I don't think that's that's right. They're not the type of goals you want disallowed. The second goal is Caicedo. It's a shot from the edge of the box. It goes through the legs of Jackson. It's The goalkeeper's view is not obscured in any way. The ball goes through Jackson's legs. There's a crowd of players there. Jackson's the one whose legs it go through. And Jackson's about two inches offside. He's not standing on the edge of the six-yard box, miles offside, interfering with the goalkeeper's view. But that goal gets disallowed because VAR draws the lines and goes, right, okay, he's a little fraction offside and the ball's gone through his legs. So if the ball had gone two yards wide of him, they wouldn't be disallowing that. And I think that's that's not what this is for. That's not the reason why this is in place, is to disallow goals like that. Now, Chelsea were lucky that there was a penalty incident in that, you know, mm-hmm. just before the goal. So they ended up scoring anyway, and it didn't cost them. But I'm looking at that going, this is fucking shit. This is not what, what football is supposed to be. And Plus it's it not took about what they 20 brought... minutes to sort that's out. That's the well. other thing. Yeah. You know, that's the other aspect of it. It's like all the waiting around and confusion over what's going on and fans in the ground have got no idea what's happening. If you're watching on the telly, as you say, you're at least seeing replays and you've got some sort of idea. But, like, that's not the, the that's not why this is in place. But even when the refs are doing the job correctly, as the Tottenham-Chelsea game, those are the right decisions to disallow those goals. That's what they're there for. They've got to analyse that and they've got to say, OK, letter of the law... He's offside. The ball goes through his legs. We've got to disallow that. But a linesman on the pitch would not have disallowed that and a, and, and a referee. They just wouldn't. That goal would have stood in the past prior to all of this. And so it should. Now, you're always going to get mistakes. Like we, 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 We've been on the receiving end of some bad ones. We've benefited from some as well. And we all moan about referees after certain performances. We go, oh, what was he doing there? That should have been a penalty, blah, blah, blah. There was nowhere near the amount of anger and vitriol and like just the relentless nature of it than what we're getting now. It's this is so much worse than it ever was because you're one thing you're expecting better decisions because of the tech. We're not really getting that, not all the time anyway. You know, there's still some unspeakably bad decisions that should never be getting given, and they are. But like I say, even if they're doing everything right, you still end up with like penalties getting given that shouldn't be getting given you're getting red cards for stuff like the rashford red card this week it is a red card but it would not in normal time nobody's looking at that going oh that's a red card nobody appealed for it no one's appealing for it everyone just got on with it yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and then when you look at it on the video you go yeah you can't do that under the under like the, the way the rules have changed now where intent doesn't matter it's a red card but without like them scrutinising it with VAR, it wouldn't have been a red card. And it's think every game there's like there's red cards getting given. It all we're doing after games is talking about decisions. Not even and this is not a Liverpool thing at all. I'm getting like really angry just watching games where I don't even give a shit about. Yeah. It, it's 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 they're ruining every fucking game. It's just it's it's so bad. More games than not are getting ruined by this. There's like these incidents in every single game. Uh, it just depends on how bad it is. And I go back to like the, the penalty against Wolves last week. I mean, they've given that because they've they've backed up the referee on the pitch by saying, well, there's a bit of contact there. It's totally ignoring the fact that the contact is because the Sheffield United player initiates it as he's going down. It's not a penalty. It's 100% not a penalty. But that gets given and it's like, no, nah, this is just shit. It's just shit. If, if you're there, you should have... The referee's given that. He's made a mistake. Now, you have to deal with that if there's no VAR. 
But VAR's there to stop that. And it's not stopping things like that, but it's disallowing stuff that it shouldn't be like disallowing. And it, the whole thing's a mess. And all anyone's ever talking about is this shit. You know, and, and it's like it's Arsenal got screwed last week, Wolves have been screwed twice. It's happened to us. Man United, have, they've benefited and they've had some fucking awful ones against them as well. And this is all anyone's ever talking about. It's not what it's supposed to be. It's not football anymore and it's just shit and it needs fucking off. Definitely. Hey, Chris, and you obviously asked the question given the events of recent weeks where it's uh, you know, flooded the media narrative with the uh, Diaz decision and then Arsenal with their letter of complaint at the weekend. But for me, it goes way back. Uh, how long has it been in? Maybe f five years now, five or six years? I don't even know. But one incident just uh, springs to mind which involved us um, and where I just said this is absolutely ridiculous. I, you probably remember it as well as when uh, Bobby was um, uh, given offside and uh, against Palace at Selhurst, and it was they did the line, and it was that famous uh, armpit. Uh, offside and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one example. And another one is uh, there's a Manny Hendrick one at Goodison. Yeah, 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 Hens yeah. Henderson's yeah. goal, Manny. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I was saying, Chris, about and you've said this. Uh, we've we've had this discussion before, but you can imagine the scenes uh, in um, uh, in the way end when that goes in. If you don't have VAR, the goal is given, and um, obviously after the game, there's going to be discussions and that, but. Um, even if the goal had been given, also you're going to still be really happy about it. But it just takes that immediate uh, rush of, of joy out of it for, for people in the ground and even people watching at home. So, uh, I mean, the, the whole idea is to, you know, improve the uh, experience, I guess, and uh, to, to, uh, to, to make it to, pro to make progress in, in terms of football. But, but it's just absolutely... Uh, ruining uh, the game and it's, it's, it, when you have such unanimity um, from uh, fans in terms of uh, getting rid of it I think it's it's time to listen but uh, if there's one thing we know it, it is that uh, the FA or UA for FIFA just uh, will not go back on this and you know we're, I, I think we're stuck with it unless uh, something major Last happens Unless yeah, fans get together and or just do managers like or I don't know something has to give because uh, every every weekend now it's if you look at Sky Sports News they give more time on uh, VAR decisions and ref watch or whatever than they do on actual football yeah, so, yeah it's yeah. really I mean, bad I think you guys um, you and Brownie and um, Paul dealt with this really well on on Sunday Dave and I think it was kind of a just a really good half an hour on the topic in general. You all made some really good points, but I think the the thing that stood out to me was the couple of sentences that Brownie came out with, and it really sort of struck a chord, where he said that, um, what did he say? It was um, he expect he thought it would come in, and it would um, overcome injustices. It would prevent injustices, but all it has done is create injustice. And I'd go a step further than that. Not only creates the injustice it also reinforces the injustices that have been that it was supposed mm. to rule out in the first place so it's like it's just one thing after another after another it's not getting better it's getting worse every single week um we got on to talking about this because of the you know the McAllister goal and i think part of the, the reason why we we're pissed off about it is not necessarily because we're doubting whether that was a, a, i think probably like you know i 
on the balance of things. I think he does if it hits his hand, he's trying to control it with his chest. It sort of skirts back. He doesn't he doesn't control the ball as well as he plans to if it doesn't hit his hand. Okay, I can live with that being a a free kick. But the problem still is got we the ball, though, really he? know. Yeah, yeah, he has, but he he can't like sort of get it under control and get it out wide like he like he ends up doing or wh- whatever. Like it has contributed to his ability to control the ball as well as he has. Um so I'm, you know, I think, but I think what it comes down to is the fact that none of us really know, and I don't think it's down to a, a lack of education either. It's more of a sense that we think that they're making it up as they go along and there's not really any consistency or um, sort of a unanimous thing that we can point to and say, this is what happens. And we we just don't know what to expect from week to week to week. And it's kind of galling. Jules, have you got anything to add to the, the VAR discussion before we move on a bit? Two things. One, I think VAR has now become a case of everything is being overthought. Every incident is being overthought by whoever's, by the referee on, on if they're conversing with the referee on the pitch or the VAR official. They're looking at something and they're going, yes, but this, but then if this is this, but that. And then it just becomes, it's no longer you're making issues which are meant to be you're meant to be correcting obvious errors but now you but you're in this position now where you're correcting the nitty-gritty the tiny little imperfections which you're never meant to be doing and you're ended up in the situation where you're making bad decisions because you've given so much thought you're putting too much think thought into it you're, you're arriving at the wrong decision when you've started looking for the right decision, they just can't get out of their own way anymore. And as the scrutiny intensifies, um, it'll just get worse because they'll think, they'll have it in the back of their mind, oh, that decision was made last week, can't have that again, let's have a look here. Oh, it's done that, look, that blade of grass is touched there. That means that he must be offside, let's give it offside. Ultimately, I, I, with the air, I always say the second point, which is it, should ne- it, sh- it can't really exist in a sport like football because it's too fluid, there are too many variables, there are too many bits where it is, it's not black and white, it isn't, it isn't cricket with Hawkeye or tennis, it did, and footballers are cheats, every single footballer is a cheat, so you're adding in the fact that you've got rampant cheating, you've got a game that's too, too fluid, uh, too open to interpretation, and the other point, <clears throat> and I'm gonna, I've said this before, I'll, I'll say it every time, People whinge too much about referees before VAR. Everyone was win- Everyone whinges about the referee. No one can ever accept a decision. There's always. John said there's always going to be like you know a, a, a bad decision. You, the, if you were the sort of person who would be like angry, but then you go, all right, it's not like we haven't had decisions for us in the past. But no, there's too many, too many phone-ins, um, newspapers, column inches, online dedicated to ripping referees to ripping bad decisions that it drove us to the point where everyone's going do you know what will solve this uh, if we have video assistance no it won't it'll be exactly the same you'll all whinge about it it's always a whinge about the referee if people would just accept every now and then that decisions aren't going to go your way and i'm not talking about blatantly wrong decisions like the diaz goal being ruled out against spurs I mean, like, and it's something that's like, yeah, yeah, but the human eye, maybe that could have, if you, just, if people just accepted that decisions sometimes don't go your way, maybe we wouldn't have ended up in the situation where we have to forensically, it's like an episode of CSI, you've got to get everything out to try and work out if someone was offside or not. Like, I, 
I've I've watched. I don't watch much football outside of Liverpool anymore because I, I frankly VAR. I just can't be asked anymore. Manchester City and VAR. I just think I can't be bothered. Yeah. But on the off occasions when I've watched the game and Liverpool aren't involved, so I have no skin in the. And I like it's not a hated rival. It's not, you know, it could be. I don't know. I can't even think of teams I don't like because I hate them all. But if I'm thinking about a team I don't like, Brighton. I'm I always Dave. go with Bournemouth and Brentford because I hate everybody go. else. The bees. Yeah, there you <laughs> that, go. That's my go-to example, Bournemouth and Brentford. So I'm watching Bournemouth and Brentford and a goal is ruled out for offside. And they bring it up on... Oh, it's goal and then it's VAR check. And they bring it up on the screen. And I'm looking at it with I'm eyeballing it and I'm going like, oh, I can't be arsed, that's a goal. If you, if, if you look at it and you can't see immediately, it's too imperceptible with the camera angle to tell that you have to get a line out, then yeah. you give the goal. I'm not interested in drawing a line on a screen like it's Microsoft Paint in 1997. I don't care. I just genuinely couldn't care less. That's a goal. Move on. It's I'd, I've never wanted that level of forensic detail on the game. You just have to... Some, mm. If people would just accept that decisions will go wrong sometimes... You might not get everything go for you. And, you know, you might be a little bit more at ease. You might be a little bit happier with, like, this, and you wouldn't end up with VAR. And yet, instead, here we are now, even worse than we were before. And people still can't accept decisions. And they can't accept it now. I understand it a little bit more now. Because I, if it's someone on the pitch, and it's the human eye in the, in the heat of the moment, mistakes will happen. But when you've got 4K replays... And you still can't get it right. Well, that's making people more angry. So it does. It's not helped anything. It's never. Football fans are always gonna be angry at decisions. So now you're adding, we're gonna get things wrong, in slow motion. <laughs> Great. Oh, and we're gonna show you ten different angles of us getting it wrong as well. Yeah. And it's Basically, gonna waste five minutes of your time. And, and now I'm going to cut the wrestling heel promo on Dan. Dan, this is your fault. You whinge too much about referees, and now look where we are. This is all on you. I hope you're happy. It's Dan's fault. You and me oh, at Survivor man. Series. <laughs> um, yeah, like, you, you talking about VAR in Manchester City brought us to this, reminded me of the Sopranos, yeah. when Uncle Junior and Tony are having the, the beef. <laughs> Conolingus and psychiatry brought us to this. Both of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like oh, um, the biggest reason to to get rid of R is like if you think there's like in an alternative universe, Diego Maradona's two goals against England are both disallowed because of R, and Peter Shilton is a World Cup winner. <laughs> that's a terrifying <laughs> thought, and that's exactly why we should never have it. It removes the romance from the game a little bit, right? The, the romantic memories of, of incidents like that. Mm-hmm. Whatever it may... Whatever it is, you know, it, it just... the spot, As John said, the spontaneity is gone. But then, like, the sort of romance, like... Oh, do you remember that game where we got away with that one? Like, the FA Cup final against Arsenal. I saw someone make a funny tweet yeah. earlier saying, like, bad news, lads. Henshaw's been sent... We got Henshaw's been sent off. There's a penalty. And we've got to play the final 73 minutes again. Because, again, Liverpool are a big team. They benefit from decisions. They, uh, this season, VAR hasn't. But for the, for the most part, Liverpool benefit from decisions for being a big team. If you don't think that, then again, as a Liverpool fan, then it's awfully naive. You get more decisions than, than Brighton do. I mean, Brighton got absolutely hosed last year. Mm. They had more apologies last year than, like, 
I, I can't think. Three, guess, wasn't it? Didn't they get three? Yeah, it was. They, it, it, was it three or four? They had like so many apologies. It's just absolutely insane. So this year it's been wolves. Wolves, yeah. yeah. They've they've yeah. got it done twice, haven't they? So you've got to recognise that, like Liverpool, although Liverpool have had bad decisions this year, by and large, we get the rub of the green, and we got the rub of the green. We only didn't get the rub of the green in maybe big games against other teams, when like you know Sterling's offside against Manchester City, or the company non-sending off against Salah, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, we get a pretty okay deal out of it. It's just, <clears throat> I, I again, I just go back to it. People should. They've got to be. They've got to make more peace with bad decisions happening when the referees were just doing their job on the pitch. You'd have been so much more happier now. We don't know how and, good and, we had it. Yeah. yeah. No? And Jules, you you said it. You referenced that Sterling's uh, a non-offside against uh, City uh, when VAR didn't exist. Uh, so uh, we we were hard done by. Obviously, you can see the, the still of that image. Uh, we were really hard done by uh, that day. But uh, what's that? eight, nine years on, uh, whatever it is, and we're still talking about these uh, bad decisions. So this it goes back to what Dave said. It, it, it hasn't solved anything at all and just yeah, get John, rid of it. It's... I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you not think, though, that bad decisions by referees, human, not forget about VAR, the human element, is that not part of the fabric of the game, though? Is that not what makes football football? Like a bad decision sometimes goes against Yeah, you? absolutely. That's what I'm saying. That that, yeah. that Sterling decision against uh, uh, City, really bad decision. But, uh, you know, shit happens uh, in life. Exactly, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, as you said, uh, shit is now happening, but it's uh, happening in slow motion. And uh, yeah. it, was more, <laughs> it was way better before. Um, if VAR could eliminate those kind of bad decisions uh, that happened before it came in, uh, then you could make an argument for it, even though it throws up the game and everything. Uh, I'm not saying uh, I, I, I agree with VAR, I'd get rid of it anyway, but you could understand people wanting to keep it to get uh, justice and to get decisions 100% correct. But they've proven they've had they've had enough time it's been in five or six years now and there are literally hundreds of decisions which uh uh were made uh in the wrong and that that should be enough to for everybody to say listen we, we tried it uh, we hoped it it would like brownie said on the part eliminate injustice hasn't worked let's go back to sometimes uh, the, the the old days were better and this is definitely a case where the, the old days were better. Yeah, here's just one more thing. No one, if anyone ever thought that VAR was going to suddenly get decisions 100% correct, they were living in a dream world. You're never going to get everything 100% correct. It isn't possible. Yeah. Well, so much of it's subjective anyway. Like, look, the it's Arsenal the goal is... last week, the Newcastle goal against Arsenal. What's wrong about the games? There's it's people the arguing about that, if yeah. it's a foul or not. Now, to me, that's like such a clear foul. But there are people... I think Carragher and Neville both don't think that that was a foul. And Ex defenders. That's like that's another that's, story altogether, though, isn't it? That's just why they well, suddenly yeah backed off it a lot. But there's others as well who don't think that that was a foul. Now, to me, that's a clear foul, but that's not really the point. If there are people out there disagreeing, well, then it's not a wrong decision. It's a subjective decision that we don't agree with. So you're never going to get that right anyway because people are not always going to agree on it. 
but it's just it's ten times worse when it when it's like it's a VAR that's that's making those decisions with all all like replays and that. Like if that goal stands because the referee gets one look at that and isn't sure if it's a push or not, and he gives the goal. You just live with that. It's like okay, it happens. Mm-hmm. But it's when you can slow motion and you can see there's hands on the back. Why are they not giving the foul? And that's where we're at now, where it's just constant arguments and everyone's getting angry over it because of this. It wasn't like that before. It was like Arsenal fans would be pissed off about that, and that would be it. But now you've got like I'm pissed off about it, and I, I, it's like because I'm seeing that and I'm going, that's just not right. But. It's just this is happening in every game now, and it's because it's not just down to the referee on the pitch. Because you can easily just dismiss things and go, "He's got one look at it at normal speed. He's not got any replays. He might not have had the best view. He's got to make the best decision that he can based on what he's seeing." And you just have to live with it. But that's gone now. You know, you can't make those excuses. And Dave, uh, the classic example of that, and that's why I think VAR is uh, really insidious. Is uh, uh, Curtis is sending off against Spurs because he can manip- manipulate it to uh, yeah. to ma- make uh, the ref uh, make a decision, uh, make the decision that you want uh, to make, and that's what they did with the freeze frame of uh, that foul. Mm. VAR doesn't exist. He get he gets a yellow, uh, and he did. Uh, I mean, yeah. the the on field decision was a yellow uh, back in 10, 15 years back. No VAR. He just gets a booking. Uh, that day they. Somebody uh, made a conscious de- decision to s- to show the ref that uh, clip, and I'm not just saying this. That's just an example that springs to mind uh, because it's 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 ourselves. It could have happened to any other team, uh, and they man- manipulate uh, the the image to get to the decision they want to get to. So uh, that's the subjective side of it. The the human uh, the human input, uh, and you know. When you don't trust uh, these refs, and you've mentioned this a lot in the part about some of them, get, you know, going on jollies to to Saudi Arabia to the the Emirates and that. Uh, that's another reason we should uh, bin VAR because they're even being dishonest and it's, mm. they're doing it in in plain sight uh, this season as well. So uh, I think yeah, just get rid. Sorry, Chris. Uh, no, no, dude. I just wanted to pick up on a point you made there because it's a it's a really good one. And Dave sort of pick, you know, made that same point earlier um, with the with the Curtis thing. Not to harp on too much about that, but as Dave said, they're looking for reasons to to rule out goals or to send players off and that kind of stuff. And it's just it's also punitive, isn't it? It it no wonder we all feel like it's a punishment because, as well. because the way they do it, it's it's punitive, mm-hmm. right? In it by its very nature, it's looking to give these penalties that aren't clear cut in any way, shape, or form. It's looking to send players off when you should be looking to keep them on the pitch. It's looking to rule out goals, which is the absolute fucking essence of of the game itself, like. I, th- I think that's the problem. That's why we all feel like it's a punishment it's all because negative. that's the way it's yeah. That's the way it's it applied. It's never it's never like done in a way that makes you think. Oh God, thank God for VAR because otherwise, I don't know. You know, I, what? and I think even just you know, on even the Tottenham when, game, Chris. You know, like when John said about the Curtis sending off, even the Diaz goal in that game, the linesman flagged that offside. So you take VAR away, and the linesman disallows that goal. 
it's really close. It's a, it's a tight. It, he's on side, but it's close. It's tight to the naked eye. You're like, yeah, he's just about on side. But you can understand the linesman getting that wrong in in that that particular moment. If that goal had just been disallowed because the linesman's flagged it offside and there's no VAR, we would not be talking about that now. That would not be like this burning injustice that that we feel. It would have just been one of those things. We've seen fucking shitloads of goals disallowed for close offsides where they've got it wrong. And you just move on and you forget it unless you're an Evertonian. Everyone else just moves on. But it's you turned can't us do all that into now. Evertonians. It has. <laughs> it, it actually has. It's that sense of injustice now that like Evertonians have had for their entire lives. Now everyone's got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no and that's that's about as bad of an indictment of it as you could possibly have I guess and do you know who's as bad as Evertonians and I've only recently discovered this because when Space there's any fans. any yeah any thread on Twitter we're yeah. talking about VAR referees go in there and I absolutely guarantee you there'll be a Spurs fan posting a picture of Sissoko's handball in the Champions League final that's crying about that because they're, the, they're the Everton of London they really much. are they absolutely yeah, like are. It, by whatever metric you want to judge it on, they're the Everton of North London. Yeah. Even to the point that they had like really catchy cup final songs. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit of the can Blues. Ozzy's on his way to Wembley. Can I, just, <laughs> can I just say the other thing the other thing with the referee and is for too long as well, footballers like you can say whatever you want about referees, individual referees and their dickheads and all that. But for too long in football, referees aren't respected by the players. And that now bleeds into every like layer of the game down to... You hear it now, you read, you read articles about it, like news instance, like players on a Sunday league game aren't respecting the referee and like, you know, these, these altercations and stuff like that. You're not going to get good referees. You can say these referees are shit, but you're not going to get good ones if, if no one wants to do it. You have to be a certain type of individual to want to go into it and do it yeah. because it's so hard at the grassroots level. And the professional level has to take some sort of responsibility for knowing that if you're going to abuse the referees, they always used to say that kind of stuff, didn't they? Like, oh, you know, what will the kids think if they see players acting like that? And some of it is a nonsense. But at the same time, you can go to any football ground and the fans will be giving the referee dog's abuse. But sometimes nothing because it's part of the pantomime of it. But when the, the pantomime grows larger and larger, you are going to be left in a situation where you won't be able to get any good quality referees because no one wants to do it. Because at the grassroots level, it's bled down so much that these these blokes, um, or you know, women, you don't really see female officials. That's sort of gone by on the wayside again. But you wouldn't. they don't want to do it because who wants... It's all right getting abused by, like, I don't know, Rich Allison or... Fernandez or like who's the worst in our Robbo you know it's on a on a super Sunday it's another thing being being out of go up by some grok from from the rough part of town on a pitch where no one's going to protect you and that's where they all start off they all mm -hmm. have to start off in those places yeah no that's true yeah. all right well we haven't solved this tonight we ain't gonna but we I think only because they don't listen to us <laughs> the powers that be listened, we'd have it solved in no time. Um, the the discussion goes on, and it's it's not likely to prove fruitful, but we do try. Um, moving on to the weekend, then, John. As you said um, earlier on, Saturday has like a so, sorry Sunday has sort of a, a greater significance now. Um, following the result of Luton at the weekend, uh, we'd be expecting to win this game, and we were banking on doing so anyway. 
but now it becomes uh, you know much more important if we're going to you know if we are going to sustain any sort of title challenge we need to be picking this one up and just something to pick us up a little bit after a couple of disappointing results over the last four days how are you looking at this one how are you looking at the team selection with some of the injury concerns that we've picked up in the midfield and um the form of the back four again with costas uh, just give us your thoughts yeah. moving into this one uh well you expect to win uh this game i mean they're decent but you have to win these games uh at home if you're going for the title you definitely have to to win when you've drawn uh away to Luton because if not you're uh, you're looking at four uh, dropped points out of the last uh, six and that's just before the international break uh, so it's always good uh, to go in to into these international breaks and they, they seem to be happening really often this season as well it kind of doesn't help the momentum um, it's, it's always great to when you win uh, but on the other hand if uh, you, you draw or lose it, it's just really tough um, you know for, for the next couple of weeks uh, be, before you get your next uh, crack at a, a league game and that's exacerbated this time by the fact that the next game is that I'm dreading that by the way and mm. uh, that's uh, Saturday lunchtime kickoff against City at theirs um, so massive game uh, and in fairness kind of a little bit doom and gloom I suppose uh, tonight uh because uh, of what happened on Sunday and tonight, we, we were, were really poor. But if you look at the league table, um, we're on 24 points, uh, just three behind uh, City. So um, if we win on Sunday, we go into that game against them uh, potentially um, with, with a chance to, to overtake them or at least go level on, on them with points if we win. So... Uh, for all the kind of negativity, I suppose, which is, has been justified over the last few days, uh, it's if we win on uh, uh, on Sunday, we're still uh, looking pretty good. Uh, in terms of team, I hope uh, Virgil is uh, back. Um, he's be he's been ill. Uh, I think there's some kind of bug. Klopp uh, said he's fine. Camp. He said yesterday he yeah. just left him at home because he didn't want him infecting everyone else, really. But he'd be that's fine. fair enough. Uh, I reckon so in terms of team obviously Allison will come back in I imagine Canati will start as well um, he's at his club has had a go actually at uh, Didier Deschamps uh, the French manager um, about not being able and, and he's uh, he's told Canati to uh, to say to, to Deschamps that he he needs to manage him uh, better because he, he kind of he's he's picked up uh, a couple of knocks on international duty and Klopp has said that he's not able for um, uh, the amount of football he's he's been asked to play uh, with the French team so uh, I think he's going to really manage uh, Canati over the next um, in terms of his game time and probably just play him in, in the league games and we, we won't see much of him in uh, Europe or uh, in the League Cup. Uh, obviously, Trent plays right back. And the big question then is uh, left back. And uh, I kind of stick with uh, what Dave said before. Just uh, I definitely wouldn't play uh, Costas. Uh, uh, have him on the bench by all means. Uh, but uh, probably Gomez uh, in that uh, left back spot. Uh, he's done pretty well there as well. Even though he, he doesn't give us 
much uh, or if anything going forward he, he's he's solid at the back and he, he's played well again tonight middle of the park is the big question i suppose with the the injuries probably endo dom and uh elliot uh and up front uh nunez i reckon starts probably uh jota ahead of diaz jota's you know uh deserved uh um he deserves to start, I think, based on uh, his goal scoring alone this season. He's up to seven. And a really goals good goal now, from him tonight as well. We haven't yeah, really, really, we haven't really it was kind of similar. That, like. to, yeah, yeah, it was similar to the one he, he got in uh, the first leg, wasn't he? Kind of just mm-hmm. ran straight through the middle, um, and obviously Mo uh, comes back in then. So uh, yeah, that's that's the starting uh, eleven I'd go with and uh, expect us to uh, really up our game on a Sunday and just sign off uh, with a uh, with a win before the international break and in fairness a record at um, Anfield has been uh, immaculate this season played 5 won 5 scored 14 conceded 2 so no reason to see uh, no reason why we can't uh, uh, win on a Sunday yeah and Jules I'm sure you'll be um, I'm sure you'll be going up on Sunday um I guess the one thing that I have in my mind is that if if we're not clinical and we don't take our chances in this game sort of the uh, Brentford can hang around and they can they can hurt you as well they got good attacking players they play decent football so hopefully um, Dave's boy can can find the back of the net as well as the other lads and we can you know start well take the lead and um, it can look more like a routine Anfield win yeah they're tricky on Brentford Uh, and I do think with the sort of midfield problem it might be we are going to have to make sure we we take the chances that we are that we, you know there can't be any Darwin misses from two yards in this one. You are you chances are going to have to be taken just to make sure you put some daylight, some breathing space, take the pressure off the game because yeah, if you let Brentford hang around, there could be a problem. Ultimately, you got to take care of business at home though. You know, with the exception of Manchester City coming to to Anfield, uh, you've got to handle your business at home. And as good as Brentford are you need to be handling your business because as John said, the next game is Manchester City away and I've got that marked in the diary as a loss. Mm-hmm. So just, just to re-emphasize, handling business is the order of the day, yeah? Handling, handling business. <laughs> B-I-D-N-E-S-S, business. Dave, home win? Yeah, it needs to be. We said a couple of weeks ago, we, we were looking at the fixtures, weren't we? And we had Forest at home, Luton away, Brentford at home, and then the international break. I'm like, okay, so we, we'd kind of already given ourselves the nine points, I think. Um, I can't remember who I was on with at the time, but like that was the consensus was, yeah, because we were flying at the time. And I was like, yeah, win these three easy games. And then we go to City and we're in, in good shape playing them. Uh, it didn't work out like that because of the Luton game. So we can't afford any more drop points. This is a game we've got to win. The problem is Brentford were they were in a bad run a few weeks ago. They even got beat by Everton, didn't they? And they were, they didn't look good. They've bounced back well from that. Uh, they had like a, I think they, they got beaten the last minute at United. I think they were really unlucky there, but they look like they've got the mojo back again. Uh, the scoring goals, my boy and Bermo is like on fire at the moment. 
Um, even Morpé scored last week, didn't he? So it's like, fuck. I'm, I'm actually glad he scored last week because I wouldn't want him going into this game like not having scored for like a year or whatever it was. It's like, no, don't don't let it be us if he scores against. So I'm glad he's got that out the way. Uh, the dangerous, you know, the really well organised, good on set pieces, fast on the counter attack. They've got like plenty of pace and the brave. You know, they get men forward. They're not like they defend well, but they're not defensive. So it's a tricky game, and our midfield situation is not ideal. Um, I was just looking at the bench tonight, like just trying to see if I'd forgotten somebody who might be able to play in midfield. Um, I noticed Luke Chambers was on the bench tonight, so he must be fit again. There's only there's only James McConnell, um, other than like the three who were likely to pick, unless you're putting Trent in there. Uh, which we might have Cody to at some point. As well before, yeah, but it, there's no no six though, is there? Like McConnell played no. there in pre season, so he may. If I'm just, I'm not thinking about starting lineup. I'm thinking more if one of the starters was to get injured. It's like, well, you know, what what do we do if we got on the bench? So um, yeah, we're pretty threadbare in midfield, but we've got options up front. Um, so you just got to hope we've got enough firepower to get the job done. Um, I think we'll win it. But I think we might make hard work of it. I could see it being like a close one. It's, it's about the Gravenberg is definitely out. Kurt is definitely out. Yeah. Uh, he's, okay. But he, he'll be back after the break, Klopp said. And Gravenberg is, uh, he said, like, definitely out tonight. And he said, I don't know about the weekend. We'll see. But that usually means no. Yeah. What about Tiago? Go ahead. <laughs> Tiago. <laughs> well, he said Tiago will be back in the new year, but he didn't specify which new year. Which year? So, yeah. we'll see. No, I was just going to say, it's obviously um, uh, the first first goal is key, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we score first, you fancy us. And uh, Paul has referenced this a, a lot on the pod uh, this season about us getting the first goal. And unfortunately, we've been really good at that in, this season in general. Um but the last two games, uh, obviously against Luton and uh, tonight, uh, when we concede the first goal, we make life really difficult for ourselves. So if, if we can get ahead, um, they're, they're obviously going to have to come out uh, and we can generally pick off teams if, if they come out and you know hit them on the break. So, uh, but they're not a team you want to concede first to. Yeah, mm. definitely not. Absolutely not. Just uh, one more thing is that... Um, Tierney's ref in this, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'd, or, I'd rather he was refereeing on Sunday than at Man City, put it that way. But they'll wheel Anthony Taylor out for that one, won't he? Yeah, I think uh, Taylor will get that game, won't he? Yeah, yeah. See that penny gave in the championship at the weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but what's even worse than him giving the penalty is he didn't send the player off. It's like, well, if you're giving yeah. the penalty, you've got to send him off for that, yeah. and he didn't. But it's the same thing at Brighton, though, wasn't it? When he didn't send their player yeah. off. All right. All right. Well, that's another discussion yeah. for another time. We've gone quite long on this one. I'm sure people seeing the three-two away defeat in the Europa League weren't expecting an hour and a half, an hour and forty-five minutes. Um, all that, that Transformers talk. Some... <laughs> <laughs> and the twenty and the obligatory twenty-five minutes on Darwin's finishing. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of stuff, but um, yeah, all good. And the um, I'm not going to ask if there's anything else. We we sorry, Darwin's yips. Darwin's yeah, all right. Darwin's yips. I'm not going to ask if there's question. anything more. You Darwin guys want to ask because we've been going. What putter would he be? 
um, a driver. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's like someone put them with a driver. <laughs> there, there's your golf analogy. I know. Got it. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Um, Dave, I'm sure you'll be back soon after the game on Sunday with uh, some of the lads who are at Anfield with you. Um, looking forward to hearing that. Looking forward to hopefully getting back to winning ways at the weekend so we can put this sort of disappointing last few days behind us. Once again, just to re-emphasize, the Diaz family is reunited again, so yay, that's a good thing. Um, and we'll look forward to the weekend now. Still in pole position to qualify from this group, so no real damage done. It just would have been nice to get it done tonight. Um, yep, we look forward to uh, you coming back after the game on at the weekend, Dave. But until then, we'll catch you soon. best word I can say but uh, we'll describe this was boom <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this it was really good